Hello and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, the Sable list looked a little full this past Tuesday. Yeah, it was at full capacity. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it could support a max of two individuals, and both individuals were both on the DL this past Tuesday. Yeah, it was very unfortunate. I went in under the knife this past Monday, and, you know, I would have been up for a podcast Tuesday morning. I actually went to work the next day. It was that minor of a procedure, but, you know, I, I wasn't feeling great, and then you told me you had pneumonia on top of it, and I'm like, oh, my God, only you. Yeah, between having the flu like two weeks ago and then going to Chicago and then coming back and then getting sick again, I, I just couldn't believe the turnaround. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. I mean, I mean, you've been working a lot, so that definitely has something to do with it. Sleep, sleep depravity, and then f- factor in all the cold weather and and all the flying. It's a lot of a lot of changes to your body in such a short period of time. I understand why you got it. Yeah, it was definitely a little scary. It got a little extreme. There are some details that are too graphic for the listeners out there to listen to. But I feel a lot better. I mean, I'm on antibiotics, trying to finish that off, get healthy, get squared away. But I feel a lot better than I did. How did surgery go? I know you said you were back to work. Was it that painless? It was that painless, I swear. I've never been under anesthetic before, so that was pretty trippy. I actually... I don't know, enjoyed waking out of coming out of it, like feeling a little loopy for a bit. I don't know. It kind of felt like you like waking up like from a, like a night NyQuil filled night. But yeah, it was, it was fine. Like I only got like, like two, two stitches and they're dissolvable stitches. So literally as we speak, they're like just dissolving away. No big deal whatsoever. I woke up, I was in no pain all day Monday. I was in no pain. I just laid down, read long shots for a bit and then yeah, woke up Tuesday and was back to work and yeah it was nice (laughs) that's pretty good i i had a slate of games this past saturday and i thought i was able to power through it and this is how i discovered i had pneumonia Mm -hmm. i thought it was one of those things where it's like oh it's a little cold you know i'll take take some day quill i'll take some airborne i'll just suck it up and go through the day Mm -hmm. after the third and last game i was in the parking lot of the school and i was (laughs) i was dying and then some crazy things happened. I was like, yeah, maybe I should go to the ER. And they were like, yeah, you have pneumonia. Oh. And I thought, wow, that escalated very quickly. So what did, what, did they, what did you end up doing? Just taking some, did they give you like pills or anything for that? Or what? They actually gave me some injection. It was like antibiotics, but it needed to be injected. So I've never had anything like that before. <laughs> and then they gave me some antibiotics, pills, some cough medicine. All right. Driving off that. Feel a lot better now. I definitely yeah. took it easy. Didn't go to work. I was like, I think my body's finally telling me you need to rest. You need to finally get eight hours of sleep for the first time <laughs> in your life. Yeah, I mean, really. I'm glad. You, you do sound, like, pretty good, though, so don't worry about it. That's good. That's good. I was very scared that I was going to sound very nasally and sick. Nah, you're good. You're good in my book, anyway. Fantastic. Well, I know we missed it on Tuesday, so we're going to share the exciting news. We were on Podomatic's top 75 sports podcast rankings for the fourth straight week and that is 17 of the last 18 weeks now and yeah that's with uh just one episode last week right or am i wrong yes i think we only had one yeah i think we only had one last was that we last only, week yeah we no. did only have one because uh last week I was traveling back from Chicago. Wow, that was last week. Yeah, it's crazy to think that was just last week. Everything's getting all messed up now. February is a weird month. It always is. 
Yeah, and then when you get sick, you just you just don't know what day it is anymore. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, jeez. But it's it's good to keep that streak going, and it's also crazy to think that we've been doing this for at least eighteen weeks now. I know, and the season's coming to an end. This is this is just, oh, I, I can't believe it. It, it. it seemed like such a short time ago that we said, you know, let's let's hit the airwaves for the first yeah. time back in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and now like, here oh. we are. Big East Media Day is coming up. We, I guess we could talk about that for the first what, for the first episode. For the first episode, yeah. And now here we are wrapping up the final week at the Pavilion for the 2016-2017 school year. It's, it's crazy to think that another senior night's about to come. But mm-hmm. before we get there, there was a game that we couldn't talk about this past Tuesday, so we're going to talk about it now. Yes. You were at this game. I was. Was at the Prudential Center. Villanova beat down. Seton Hall, 92-70. to 70. It's the second home loss for the Pirates, the other one being Butler. Now, we both said this was going to be close. You even predicted overtime. Yeah, I, I was way off on that one. Thankfully, thankfully I was off, but I, that, was, that was bad. Now, for someone who was there, mm-hmm. got to see the game up close and personal. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about how a certain Pirate, one that stands six foot ten, <laughs> said that the Pirates didn't have enough time to prepare for Villanova the first time so that when the Wildcats came to town, came to the Rock, people had to watch out. <laughs> Did you feel threatened at any point during the game that the Pirates were going to destroy the Wildcats? For the first five minutes, I was like, oh, of course, another slow start on the road at a game I'm at. Sure, why not? Let's do it again. But to the contrary... We were able to pull away without any issue, and it was wonderful. The f- I, I, I finally wonderful to witness a blowout on on the road. Like I, I haven't witnessed that actually. I don't think I've ever seen my team blow out another team on the road. And yeah, the the Seton Hall Pirates could have had a whole whole two weeks to prepare for this game. The way Villanova played on Saturday, there was no way they were going to beat them. None. What about if Isaiah Whitehead came in and? Suited up, threw on a threw on an extra no. number fifteen jersey from the closet. <laughs> yeah, no, he 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 wouldn't have provided a twenty two point difference. Maybe it probably would have been a closer game, obviously, but I don't think it's that much of a difference. And and I'm glad you brought up that he was number fifteen because I was having this debate with my brother at the game. I thought he was zero for some reason. I don't know why. And then I saw I knew Carrington was zero this yeah. year, but I thought Carrington was a different number last year, and then Isaiah Whitehead was zero last year. I. I was debating that with him if he was 15 or not, but I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> you know, it's just what makes his future statue so special. There's going to be an <laughs> image of him slapping the floor, and then Ryan Archie Diakno, also wearing 15, <laughs> going against him. Of course. Of course. And then, of course, you'll look at the statue, and Seton Hall fans will think, like, oh, that's him playing tough defense. But then anyone else will look at him like, is he getting crossed over right now? Is, is, is he getting his ankles broken? I mean, I, it probably will be, but like like we were talking about off air before, Seton Hall fans don't know the difference. <laughs> Great, knowledgeable fan base over there. Oh boy, they, like like I'm not trying to bash him that bad, but it's like some of the fans over there, you can tell they're brand new to this whole basketball thing. <laughs> I'm not saying there's not Villanova fans like that either, but I feel like with Seton Hall, it's uh, more apparent. Yeah, I feel like there are definitely some delusional Nova fans, and there are definitely the bandwagoners. 
But, man, I just remember after the Pirates beat the Cats in the Big East Tournament Final, a lot of people were like, oh, let's get those Final Four shirts ready. Like, oh, these, <laughs> these guys are going all the way. And it's like, whoa, 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 let's, whoa. let's take it easy. Let's, let's calm down. <laughs> let's take it easy before you get slated against one of the best mid-major teams in the nation in a high-altitude area, which apparently was the difference in that whole entire game. So, never forget. So, what, what were some of your takeaways from this game? I mean, obviously, I, I, I mean, I know the, the obvious one. I'm going to let you talk about that one because he's your boy. But My boy. I'm going to talk about Chris Jenkins. He's been a little inconsistent sometimes, but I feel like he's really been hitting his stride as of late. And this mm-hmm. is exactly, exactly what Villanova needs to be that March contender. Mm-hmm. We saw it last year in the Big East tournament. He helped propel them to the finals. And then he also not only propelled them to the championship game in the NCAA tournament, but he hit that game-winning shot. The man was on fire on Saturday. He hit five of six from deep and was good for 22 points. Definitely yeah, one of his better games this season. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was I'd say it's probably the first game that I can say that I, I felt confident with him like taking like early shot clock shots and having no problem with it, open or not. I, I'm not, not like a fundamentalist expert or anything, but you can tell his form was perfect. He had that stroke going. Every time he shot the ball, it was perfect rotation. He, I, I mean, His one miss was like, it was like a, I, I wouldn't say it's a, not a, that a miss is good, but like it, the, he was open and it just, it just happened to not go in. Yeah, and we've talked about how he is a very confident-driven player. You know, he lives and fuels off the making and taking the big shots, right? The crowd. He lives off all that. He fuels. He eats that. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. was excellent. Josh Hart was excellent. Josh Hart had nineteen points off of eight of sixteen shooting. Not not ideal efficiency, but when you score drop nineteen, that's pretty good. But let's talk about your boy JB crossover basketball, Jalen Brunson. Chris, how was he? You were you were right there. How was he? He's so good. He's so good. 22 points, scored only four in the second half. So he was just an absolute crowd silencer in the first half. He had that 1-3 when Seton Hall had cut it to one with about just under four minutes to go. That absolutely shut them their crowd up, and it was great. Uh, he had 10 dimes on top of it. It's his first career double-double, which ties Arsh's career total as well. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh <laughs> He he was making plays that is just unreal. He didn't miss miss from the field. I forget the exact numbers on the shooting, but he missed one free throw. He he played a, a he played a perfect game. That's what he did. He played a perfect game, and I'd say he ended the game in the first half after Dante had that huge block on Delgado. I think it was Delgado or. Maybe it was Sonogo. I don't remember. But he had that big block at one end. And then Jalen came down the court and dribbling out the clock and then just popped up in Carrington's face from straight away and nailed the three to put us up double digits just before going into the half. And I think that broke Seton Hall's backbone there and pretty much decided the game that right then and there. He was just stone cold, absolute crowd silencer. Perfect. Just perfect. <laughs> JB crossover basketball. Mm-hmm. You gotta love it. You yeah, gotta man. love it. Yeah, you do. It's, I mean, right now, he's playing his heart out right now, and his numbers are are up there. Mm-hmm. 
this is exactly what we expected when he was when he came in as a freshman. I mean, like we we were talking. I think we've talked about this before, but like you, you knew as a freshman, he wasn't going to come in and light the world on fire. You knew Arch kind of had the keys to the Ferrari and was gonna and we were going to ease him in, whatever. And then you saw towards the end of the year that Jay wasn't playing him as much, or he was much more restricted. And you kind of thought that maybe as the year went on, it would be the opposite. But now that he has full reign of everything. He can just do whatever he wants and as he pleases, facilitate everything. And when the game runs through him, this team is just so, so much better. I think some people, myself included, definitely thought he'd come in, take over, kind of be like the freshman you see at Duke or Kentucky. But that's just definitely not how it works around here. And that's fine. And I think some people were a little felt a little disappointed by what he saw. But I, I honestly liked this game a lot. He had to take the backseat to Ryan Archidiakono, which... Let's be honest, he wasn't going to supplant him anytime soon. There was just no way that he was going to come in and just take the keys from March or that Jay would give him the keys right away. But now that we see that he's got unrestricted flow, he's got control of the offense, he's the true facilitator now, he's really delivering, he's really stepping up, and he's really living up to that five-star prospect title that he got coming in. He's, he's starting to deliver that, that hype. Yeah, absolutely. The only, the only downside to this... I hate to bring it up. Do you think he, this might make him think of leaving early, this type of play? I've said it before, and I still believe it. If Villanova goes deep, I would I would not be surprised if he leaves early. I just don't see him getting a first-round grade, though. I mean, like, I do and I don't. I, I feel like this, this draft in particular is just so deep that I feel like it would be hard for him to break into the first round, barring, like, like you said, like an ungodly performance in the NCAAs. That's the other thing, too. This is one of the deepest, strongest draft classes in years, at least in recent memory. And I I would like to say, yeah, you never know. You see guys shoot up and down throughout the NCAA tournament all the time. You you are right. You do bring up a good point, especially with the new way in that the NCAA lets you have that quote-unquote trial period Mm -hmm. with the NBA draft process. Mm -hmm. So that might help. Yeah, that's true. He might, yeah, like he might do what Josh Hart did last year. He might just... And Chris Jenkins, actually, now that I thought, think of it. You know, just kind of test the water, see where he's at, and then come back. I think he's going to do it for this year. I don't think he'll leave after this year, even if they do go deep. I think if he has, like, another similar type year his next year, I think he's gone for good. Then again, you might make the argument that, hey, you're already a junior, completing your junior year. Why don't you just stay for your senior and get your degrees? So, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a tough call either way. He can go the Kyle Lowry route and leave sophomore year, or he can do the arch thing, uh, stay all four years and become a hero. Yeah, the other thing is, too, is that, you know, Josh Howard, Chris Jenkins, they both said that in being able to test out the draft process, they got tremendous feedback, tremendous advice that they felt would have helped that helped them for their senior year. Mm-hmm. So, like they said last year, don't be too scared or shocked if a lot of guys commit to the draft just to try it out and then kind of take change their mind and come back. I think we're definitely going to see Brunson test the waters, and we'll see from there. But I think regardless, either way, it's it's going to be a pretty good step for him. And it, I think the process, whether it's a trial or if he does follow through with it, will help out his career if it happens or not. Right. I agree. So we've seen this team struggle at times in the beginning to start. And we've also seen them struggle to close out games. This time around, we didn't see that happen. And in fact, it was a third straight blowout on the road. We've seen it happen against DePaul, against Providence, against Marquette, and that they've struggled to really close it out. Georgetown included, too. I felt like that's what last year's team was great at. They were great at 
putting the foot on the gas pedal and that they were going to bury you and they were going to put you on the back burner and you mm-hmm. weren't going to come back. You weren't going to have right. any chance of coming back. <laughs> right. Do you see this win, this big win, huge closeout against Seton Hall becoming that sign that things are changing, that they are going back to having that killer instinct? I mean, maybe not just the Seton Hall game specifically, but I'd, I'd say all three wins as a whole, yeah. I, it's definitely an encouraging sign, especially since these are on the on the road. You're not going to be playing in the Pavilion or at Wells Fargo during the NCAA's. So if you're going to be blowing out teams and putting teams away, you must be doing it on the road because that resembles most of what's going to be going on during the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament. I mean, and you did it against you know three opponents that have also have something different to offer. Xavier, they were ranked team, and Cintas is a really hard place to play in. I know that, and. I know they're unranked now, and they're completely different because of Sumner's injury. But that's a high quality win in a high in a highly volatile arena. Also, you got to win against Seton Hall. I mean, Seton Hall is a good team, not a great team, but Prudential Center has always been a problem for Villanova. And to see them put away a Seton Hall team that's you know still pretty good like that is very encouraging. And then you beat down DePaul. I mean, you're supposed to do that to DePaul, but. After the way they played them at home this year, it made, you were kind of second-guessing yourself going into that game as well. So they've been able to uh, right the ship in that regard, I guess. Butler game withstanding. So I, and that's what I fear most during the NCAA tournament, especially in the first weekend. If you let these teams hang around, we saw it with NC State, saw it with UConn. If you let these teams hang around, they're going to beat you. And you don't want to see that. I want to get at least to the Sweet 16 this year. Anything anything less would definitely be a catastrophic failure. So let's, let's keep it up. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to road trip also. And I think there's a pretty good shot that the Wildcats could be playing at the Garden for the regional round. So. I know. I know. That's why this year it's going to be so, <laughs> so important. <laughs> but, but, you know, I know they say all oh, that projections are cool and this and that. But if it's anything like last year... <laughs> Yes. This committee, uh, man, you never know what you're going to get. So I know I've been telling a lot of people off air, like, oh, yeah, they're going to be at the Garden, or I'm looking forward to going to the Garden. You really don't know. You really don't. And we know that that Garden can easily be a Wildcat home game. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. That's why I want it so bad. Because after, after we went to Louisville, I mean, that was a pro-Kansas crowd. I mean, we, there was still a good amount of Villanova fans there, but that was a pro-Kansas crowd. And I was like, man, imagine if there was all Villanova fans here. How cool would that be? Oh, yeah. Aside from that one section and, of course, the loose stragglers right. <laughs> scattered all throughout, That I would say the split was like 65-35. Yeah. Maybe 70-30. 70-30, yeah. It even seemed like the Rando fans weren't even like rooting for Villanova, which was weird. They were rooting for Kansas. I didn't understand that. Usually they're the usually the Randos just root for the underdog. That that was definitely a fun environment regardless of it being pro Kansas. Oh yeah, absolutely. Great. And time. I'm trying to road trip again, so hopefully they go far. Oh yeah, same here. So next up for the Cats was a game that they played last night. It was the rubber match against the Butler Bulldogs. We've we've talked about closing out. And unfortunately, Villanova was not able to do it last night at the Pavilion. I mean, granted, they didn't have as big of a lead as the Seton Hall game. Mm -hmm. But they did have a lead. And that lead dwindled. And eventually, they lost 74-66, to finally putting an end to their 48-game win streak at the Pavilion. The last time they lost was our freshman year 
on February 3rd, 2013, when Bryce Cotton hit a game-winning three seconds left in the game. Chris, if you told me back at the beginning of the season that Butler would be the team to sweep the Wildcats, I would have thought that was crazy. I would have thought that was insane. I, I think any team sweeping Villanova is kind of a crazy thought because you're, you're guaranteed a pavilion win every year for every matchup. And so, yeah, you just kind of eliminate that half of it. And for it to be Butler, I mean, it's not too crazy, but wouldn't have been my first choice either. The Bulldogs got a pretty good game from Keelan Martin, who has been cold as of late. I mean, the man doesn't even start anymore. Mm. And he put up a 22-point game, eight rebounds, shot 7-11 on the floor. He was pretty good. So was Kamar Baldwin, who killed the Wildcats last time. He had he also shot 7 for 11. It was just, I couldn't believe what was happening. I know it wasn't the prettiest of games, but Villanova was in front for most of it until the very end. You know, what were some of the big takeaways? What were some of the things that stuck out to you in the loss to the Bulldogs? Well, I, I think the most obvious thing is the, the, the way the team shot. I mean, we were just lauding this team for their hell of a performance against Seton Hall. They shot over 60% from the field, over 50% from three. And you look at the box score here, 44% from the field and 25% from the three. And, you know, sometimes you can get away with that. But when you match it up with 10 of 16 shooting from the line, which is a stat that's very misleading because I felt like it was a lot worse than that. And when you factor in, they missed two front ends of, no, three front ends of a one-on-one it's even worse and there's just no way to come back from it. And this is what plagued them against Butler last game and Hankel terrible shooting. I mean, they still put up points. They put up 66 points, which, you know, if you play a little bit of defense, it's enough to win, especially against a team against Butler that usually doesn't score a lot, but I don't know. It's just the way it goes. You're hot one night and then you're miserable the next. I mean, this used, that was the the motto for the team our sophomore year. And, you know, it kind of evened itself out over the past few years. And you know, this team really hasn't been susceptible to that. But I guess it just reared its ugly head. It happens. I mean, you don't like to see it happen in the pavilion. I really would have liked to have seen the streak hit 50. I would have loved to have seen the seniors, these seniors go out without ever losing a game at the pavilion. But at least they'll get one more shot against Creighton. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So that's fine. But yeah, it's just, I don't know, you just, there's the bad, bad shooting night overall. Yeah, Jenkins was. I know we said that he'd been streaking, kind of looked like he'd been turning things around. But last night was, you know, kind of that indicator of that streakiness that he has. Shot one of eight on the floor, one of five from deep. Only had eight points. Collected six rebounds. Josh Hart, he dropped eighteen, but he also shot seven of eighteen overall. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brunson seemed to be the only one getting it going. Sure, he had five turnovers, but he was pretty efficient on the floor, scoring 24 points off of a 9 of 13 shooting performance. And he's, you know, he was the only guy that really seemed to consistently get it going. And like you said, you know, I know the official stat line says 10 of 16 from the free throw line, but Josh Hart going over four, Brunson missing the front end of a one on one, Josh Hart missing the front end of one on one twice, especially at such a crucial stretch down the you know, coming down the last few minutes, when you're trailing Butler and to miss those free throws, it just hurt. It hurt them a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know the refereeing wasn't quite up to par. I mean, sure, it wasn't that great. But one thing you can't overlook and one thing you might want to blame the refs or some people might want to blame the refs, Villanova was in the double bonus for a while. They were. And not only that, they were in the bonus 
for a good amount. Butler didn't even get there until the very end when Villanova really started fouling. But you got to capitalize. And, yeah, you can blame the refs, but the refs are the ones shooting the free throws and missing those crucial one-on-ones. So definitely really tough pill to swallow. I mean, it's never fun losing, especially at home when you have that crazy streak going. And to lose to Butler again is definitely no fun. Nah, it's not not fun at all. But I want to build upon what you were saying before with Jalen. I mean, he did seem like the only one who gave a crap last night anyway. Josh, the, the 0 for 4 from the line, like you, that's inexcusable. And you have to hit those one-on-ones. Because if you're chipping away at, at the lead with less than two minutes to go with those one, uh, front ends of one-on-ones, it changes the whole complex uh, – complexity of the game like maybe you get another stop and then maybe the one stop that you got before and you go down and then you go for a two instead of a three like it it just changes the whole outcome of the game you don't know what could happen and right before we were talking about Chris Jenkins and how great of a game he had against Seton Hall and then he lays an absolute dud against Butler now granted I think two or three of his attempted threes were at the end when this team was just kind of hacking up shots so I guess you can excuse him for that a little bit, but he just, he didn't look like him, like he had been for the past few games as well. I wanted to harp on that a little bit. And yeah, just the, Dante played okay. Bridges wasn't involved at all offensively, which was very shocking. I mean, he played good defense as he always does and grabbed five boards on top of it, but made only one basket. I would have liked to have seen him get involved more. I don't know why I don't work him in more maybe it's just a matchup thing with Butler because if I remember correctly against Butler last time he didn't really do much either on the offensive end so I don't know is this the loss that like lights a fire under this team to get them back on track I don't think so I don't think it's that type of magnitude I think it's, it's going to leave a bad taste obviously because it's a home loss but I don't I don't I don't think this is going to be like a uh, Seton Hall BD's tournament type loss ordeal here I don't know what you what do you think of that? Yeah, I don't necessarily think it has that kind of effect on them, but I do think that this would, in the short term, get them fired up for senior night. Concerning, I mean, you got to think what would happen if Villanova beats Butler again in the Big East tournament. I mean, with the way that things are projected right now, the only way that these two teams would meet would be in the Big East tournament final. So it's you know it's definitely a tough thing to think about. One thing that I was not really a big fan of was use of zone. Like I get you're yeah. trying to work in all these different things, all these different defenses, and there will be times when you need to switch between man and zone. But it just didn't look effective against Butler in the second half. It looked like that they figured it out, that they cracked the code. I mean, ideally, your benchmark is to hold teams at least under 40. Once they go over 40 and a half, that's considered a high scoring or you know not not pretty defensively, mm-hmm. and I, I would have liked Jay to see him switch it up. I mean, sure, it's a regular season and this and that, but you you also want to win games, and the Bulldogs were picking apart that zone towards the end. Yeah, I, I lost track of how many times they found the hole open in the top of the 2-3 zone from the wing and just popped the three right into whoever's face was whoever was, was attempting to guard them, but they were like three feet away, barely got even a hand in their face, and they nailed the three uh the zone was not working i, I wanted to bring it up during the seat hall game because i noticed they ran a lot of it during during that game as well and i thought it worked pretty well i thought it worked well with dylan painter in the middle i just i think it works with him because i just don't think he's ready to 
capable of playing man yet. I don't think he knows the full ramifications of it yet. I mean, obviously, it's a basketball player. He knows what man defense is, but I, I don't think he's able to keep up with the switches. So running zone makes sense in his case when he's on the floor. When you have your usual starting five with Daryl out, and then you work Dante, and I don't think zone's the best way. You have athletic guys. Play man. You have guys who can switch off with, with relative ease, especially against Butler, where other than Travis, everyone matches up pretty well, size, pound for pound. And if you really want to, and if you're afraid of get, uh, Butler isolating the Travis versus whoever matchup, then just have bridges on him the whole time and run like a a, a man in one type ordeal. And so I, I didn't really understand that either. I agree with you. I thought zone was a terrible idea. I mean, I, like you said, it is regular season, so I guess you're going to have to run it eventually. But you should have been doing this in the Charleston Classic to find out how your zone defense is, not against Butler when you have, I guess, the Big East regular season reg, regular season title on the line. Yeah, like, I, you know, I get it. You're undermanned right now. It's, you know, you have all these unfortunate cards that were dealt to you. Like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. But it just wasn't working. And I don't know if the guys look tired, if they're starting to look weary, the season's starting to put a toll on them. But I would have liked to see a more diverse defense or at least an adjustment to see once it stopped working. Like, it was it was pretty effective. Granted, you know, Villanova wasn't shooting well in the first half, and they turned the ball over a ton. But it did help them take a one-point lead going to the break. But it seemed that after halftime, Butler figured it out, broke it down, and was able to play from there. You got to give it to Butler, though. They kept harping on it during the broadcast, and when your team's losing in the heat of the moment, you're like, you kind of get annoyed at it. But they're, they're a very resilient team. They didn't go away. There was that one stretch. I think we were up eight. I don't remember. It was like kind of toward the middle of the second half, and then they hit – they hit like two threes in a row, and it was, and they were right back in it. And and you kind of felt that if Villanova just got one more basket, that would pretty much be the end of them. They couldn't get it, and Butler dug deep. They got the stops when they needed, and then they went the other way and hit their shots. It's basketball is a fickle sport like that, but you got to hand it to them. I and mean, sweeping the the best team in your conference, especially at a place winning one game, especially at a place where the team has not won in over, what, three and a half years. That's a pretty special thing to do. I think Butler's going to be a really big force come tournament time. I think this probably bumps them up to the three line if they weren't there. I think they were probably sitting like at a four, four seed. I think that put, puts them up to a three now if they're, if they're lucky enough. I don't know. We'll see. But whoever matches up against them in the NCAA tournament, look out because they will play – they will make you play their game, and once you play their game, you're, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, we'll certainly keep an eye out, I mean, for the polls and the rankings. I mean, I'm sure things will change a lot, especially once we get to the Big East tournament and other conference tournaments take place in Selection Sunday because mm-hmm. the committee is ever so random. <laughs> but right. we will certainly keep an eye moving forward. Regardless, Saturday will be a special day. So next up for the Cats – is a rematch against the Creighton Blue Jays. It's definitely not the top 10 matchup that we retreated to on New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. but it's special in other ways. It's senior night. That it is. And it's always a special night because not only do you get to commemorate and thank the seniors and pay a tribute to them, it's also the last home game at the Pavilion. And I guess this time around, it's the last home game of the year. Yeah, last year last year was different. Yeah, for the last couple of years, you, you still had that Wells Fargo game after. Right. 
Yeah, you had that straggler. Yeah. This time they're ending it right. That's nice. So can you believe it is the last home game of the year? I mean, we, we were talking about this a little bit, how it, it just felt like Biggie's Media Day, like last week, right. and now it is the last one of the year. It's crazy. It's absolutely it, crazy. It's absurd. It's truly absurd. I mean, th- the last game of the regular season is next Saturday at Georgetown. That's crazy to think about. We are already preparing for postseason college basketball. I, I love it, but at the same time, it's like, where, where did the season go? You know, I'll be honest, it, it kind of feels like our senior night when Villanova played Butler just recently happened. Yeah, and it I, did. You know, we're about to be a full basketball season removed from campus. Oh, no. Yeah, that's a sad fact. Wow. The kiddies are three months away from <laughs> graduating. We are about to be one full class removed from Villanova. I, I don't know if I can deal with that. Oh, boy. Wow. Reality setting in, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know it's weird, and I know that they they rig the lottery, or they say that they do, mm-hmm. so that seniors are guaranteed a ticket. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna warn some some seniors out there, it is not 100% guaranteed. There was some controversy last year, <laughs> in which there are probably less than 100 kids who did not receive tickets to the senior night game, and that caused an uproar on Facebook. Really, I don't remember that. Yeah, there were a few stragglers, and people were very upset. And they were desperately looking for a transfer. Oof, that's hell. Yeah. That's yeah. hell. I guess I was just blessed enough to actually have a ticket, so I didn't buy into all the, the nonsense Facebook group hype after, after that comes with every post-lottery drawing. I mean, I guess, should we talk about the game first before we get into the rest of senior night? Yeah, let's, let's just give a quick synopsis of, is it, oh no, preview, I guess. Yeah. yeah, a preview of Creighton. I mean, we, we've talked about them in the past, and I'm pretty sure anyone who listens to this show has a general idea of what they're about now, but why don't we just do a quick run through? Yeah, we're not going to go too crazy into the numbers because we have talked about them before, but the big difference between this time and last time, if you haven't heard by now, are you really a true Big East fan? But if you <laughs> haven't heard by now, Maurice Watson Jr., he was leading the, the country in assists the last time these two teams played. Watson went down... On Martin Luther King Day, as part of the Big East Marathon, turned out to be a torn ACL. He's out for the rest of the year. Adding to the Watson saga was a recent development that developed yesterday, and he's actually suspended from the team and all athletic activities for undisclosed reasons. You know, the, you know, the usual PR statement, broke team rules, mis- misconduct to the university, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But he's not going to be around. Not that he was going to be around anyway. Right. Yeah, just, just no senior night at Creighton for him. It's kind of bummy. Despite the injury to Watson, Creighton has found other ways to manage. They are still one of the top half teams in the conference. They have Marcus Foster, who is a scoring machine. He's been a scoring machine. and But the big one, I, I believe, is the play of seven-foot freshman center Justin Patton, who went from under-recruited to... We're talking potential NBA draft pick. Yeah, really. And what's what's the uh, best center award called? Is it is it the Kareem Award? Yeah, it is, yeah, it is the Kareem Abdul Jabbar Award. Yeah, isn't he a fi- I think he's a finalist for that too. I mean, he's he's pretty pretty good. 
And I think he made his name against us. I think it was that first game where he kind of announced to the rest of the college basketball world, like, hey, I'm I'm a pretty good center on this team in the Midwest. Come look at me. And like you said, he was under-recruited, which I had no idea. The way he played, I thought he was some four or five-star recruit hovering in like the mid-50s in the ESPN 100. But no, he was like two stars coming out. And I'm like, oh, of course, he has to do this against us and have a coming out party against us, not, not against any other team. But yeah. Uh, Patton, Patton's good, and Marcus Foster is playing the uh, Trayvon Blewett uh, role for Creighton, taking over the entire scoring duty, basically. Yeah, running the show at point is freshman Davion Mintz, who's been okay. He's been pretty solid. And then at times you see Isaiah Zierden, who they converted from an off guard to a point guard. So you'll, <laughs> see him running the, you'll see him running the pick and roll sometime. Oh, boy. He's, he has a problem of uh, jacking up shots. So if we can uh, force him into doing uh, some of that, that'd be great. Yeah, if you remind him that uh, it's it's okay to shoot and forget passing and actually running the offense, Wildcats will be in good shape. Yeah, for sure. So I know this isn't the same exact team. They clearly have fallen. They've kind of been teetering on the, the tail end of the top 25 rankings. What do you think about this upcoming game? Do they spoil senior night festivities? Nah, I can't see it. I, I feel like, I mean, senior night will pretty much have them pumped up enough to win this one. Uh, unlike the uh, start of the Butler game last night, because, you know, Wednesday night with the wine and cheese crowd is like a whole other animal. So yeah, senior night will be big enough. And it's a three o'clock game. It's on Fox. They'll be hyped for it. They'll be ready. I I, I, I trust them in this. I, I was really disappointed because I thought we'd be treated to another top 10 pavilion game. Yeah, me too. You know, they, they were a great team to play against at CenturyLink Center. And it's one of those things where it's like you see a team very early on in the season, and then you get that three months of development, or almost three months of development, until you meet again. So now it's like, oh, how are they now? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we, we won't have that. But I still think it would be a pretty good game. But because it's senior night, because it's at the Pavilion, because it's a home game for Villanova, you got to like no, you gotta like the Wildcats' chances in this one. You got to take them over the – the Jays, of course, and I, I just had a curiosity. I was looking, I was trying to look at tickets just to see what the price would be. Like I looked at the Butler ones, and they were absurd for a Wednesday night game. There is no tickets available for this Creighton game on Saturday. Like yeah. not even on the third third party markets. There's no. I, I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. None. StubHub has like five tickets, and they're going for like four hundred a pop. I'm like, yeah, okay, just <laughs> never, never mind. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stay at home. Not, not that I, I wanted to get to a pavilion game this year, but it was like, you can only do so much. <laughs> I know, right? It was just kind of like, oh, you know, I remember when I was thinking about going to a pavilion game, I was looking at the ticket prices and I was like, uh, or I could just go as press and just cover the game. <laughs> oh, you, you, yeah, you were able to get there anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and you had a free meal with it too. So it's like, oh, win win. Yeah, true. Jesus. You get a bailout clause and a meal. Lucky you. But apparently, even Press Row is actually very stocked for this one. So Really? Yeah, it's actually hard to finagle past. Apparently, this has been like highly requested months in advance. Wow. Yeah. I guess they were all anticipating the top 10 thing. So, we have four seniors graduating. Josh Hart, Chris Jenkins, Dale Reynolds, and walk-on Denny Grace. What are your favorite memories for each of the seniors? That's a good question. I'm gonna have to think about that one. I mean, Chris Jenkins, obviously. I mean, I mean, duh. 
I mean, I, I think I, I, your, your story might be different, but mine is obviously the championship winning shot. Daryl Reynolds, this is one actually is pretty easy for me. After that Providence game last year, I, I, I think you were with me for that. I think we all went to Kelly's after. I, I was with you. We all went to Kelly's, and somehow the basketball team got back in time to, like, just, you know, just back to campus by the time the Providence game ended and by the time, you know, the bars were hopping. And Dow Reynolds was just chilling at Kelly's with a Blackhawks jersey on after, like, a huge performance against a ranked team, against a team that we had already lost to earlier in the year, and it was just chilling. Just no big deal. I was just like, man, this this guy's so cool, calm, collected. He like like if I had a game like that, I'd be like walking up and down like streets of Lancaster, you know, like, <laughs> like banging a drum and all that stuff. Like after that type of performance, but he's just chilling, no big deal on his phone. I'm just like, you know what, I like this guy. And Josh Hart, man, I don't. He's such a quiet star that you don't. He doesn't have like a single moment that just sticks out to you. I mean, even off the court, I didn't. I mean, I never got a chance to interact with them. And I don't know if you did or not. So I, I don't know. Get back to me on that one for the on-court moment. I can't really think of one. Well, for Denny Grace, it was actually when I interviewed him for the Father Rob piece two, three years ago. Is it three years now? Two years. Two years. Two years now. Okay, I was getting ahead of myself. I actually interviewed him. And he's in that piece. And at the time when I was talking to him, I, I didn't quite understand. He told me he was a walk-on. But I remember thinking, like, you're, you're not in the bench, Mom. I was like, but you're not on the roster. I was, like, so confused. Then I realized he was kind of like an honorary, like, walk-on. Mm-hmm. He was in between practice squad and full-on roster. He was just kind of like an honorary member. He was a pretty good guy to talk to. For Josh Hart, it was when I accidentally bumped into him in a crowded Cafe Nova, made him spill his apple juice. He looked at me like how he looked when he was destroying Notre Dame. When he single-handedly <laughs> terminated the fighting Irish. The look in his eyes of determination. That's what he looked like when I made him spill his apple juice. A, a little bit. Just a little bit on his, on his sneakers. <laughs> oh, man. Were they brand new Jordans? Maybe that's why he gave you that look. Uh, I, I don't know, but I remember he looked at me like he wanted to kill me. I was like, yo, I'm sorry, man. And then you know, Reynolds was right there. He was like... And he was laughing because he thought Josh was just kidding. But we were at the point where you couldn't tell if he was serious or not. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and then Daryl was like, yo, man, you're cool. And I was like, oh, thanks, Daryl. I'm just going to go run now and put a bag on my head. <laughs> Jeez. Well, that actually reminds me of what my favorite Josh Hartman is now. It happened this year, and it was against Butler, the first game. And it was the picture of him where he's staring into the camera with the blankest look on his face. Oh, yeah. That picture. Yeah. And it became like a a, a temporary meme. I wish it was more, it was used more because it's freaking hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) But that is my favorite. Jay going crazy and then he's just staring like blankly into the camera. Yeah. He's like, really? He's like, really? This is happening right now? Really? (laughs) I'm like, oh. That's right. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. My other my other favorite memory of Reynolds is when he made a short film. It's on YouTube. It's pretty oh, yeah. good. Stars, stars, Phil Booth, and Mikhail Bridges. Yes, I remember I watched it with you. Were you in his <laughs> class? I was not, but I did assist a little bit in the editing process for that film. Oh, very nice. And for Jenkins, I mean, come on. A favorite, favorite moment's got to be, got to be the shot. Got to be the shot. Mm-hmm pointing at his forearm, yelling, I have ice in my veins. Of course. Even though that's not what he told 
the media afterwards, obviously. But right. he did say that. He did. He did say it. He did. I, I, but I guess for a non-basketball moment for Jenkins, I, I think for me and you, it was when we were in Louisville and we were just reading stories on Chris Jenkins post-Elite Eight, I think it was. And the one story came out about him online trying to buy a candy bar and then Jay just sneaks up behind him and he's like, yeah, no, you're not buying that. <laughs> Yeah, he, he uses himself from team dinner, sneaks off to, like, a, a pharmacy next door, tries to buy some candy bars and some juice. <laughs> Jay, Jay realizes Chris is missing, somehow just knows ex- instinctively to go check out this as probably like a CVS or something mm-hmm. where he would find Chris trying to buy some candy bars. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like you can't make that stuff up. So – it is senior night, and you know I'm gonna tell the seniors. You know, for some people who are crazy enough to think that, like, oh, I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I can make it. You cancel whatever meeting you have. Yeah. You cancel. You know, you take off from work so you can go to this game. Because I'm gonna tell you something. You know, when you graduate, there are gonna be things you don't miss. There are gonna be things that you do miss. There are gonna be things that you miss, but then you get over it and your life goes on. Mm-hmm. Basketball is not one of those things. You will miss <laughs> basketball. I can guarantee you right now, you will miss basketball no matter what. It will be one of the things that I I assure you of the college experience. You know, like, yeah, you know, parties on mainline bars, like, they were fun, but you'll get over that. You know, getting to hang out with your friends all the time, that's something that you'll miss once in a while. That's that's something that, you know, you'll be able to get over. But but basketball games, being able to go to the pavilion, being a part of that student section, going crazy. You'll be able to go to basketball games after you graduate, but not for free. Mm-hmm. And definitely not as often as you used to when you were a student. So definitely capitalize on this last moment to catch a home basketball game. Maybe you'll get to go to the biggest tournament, even NCAAs. But if not, you got to guarantee yourself this last game at least. Yeah, I, I'd have to echo your advice there. It's to a hundred percent degree. I mean, this—it's this type of uh, point in the year where you kind of—I—I didn't realize how much I missed it. You know, like I just every ever since uh, I went to the Providence game a few weeks. Uh, oh wow, it's actually over a month now. Ever since I went to that Providence game a month ago, it's you—you you don't realize how much you miss it. And yeah, it, it's and now with the tournament coming up and every everything just winding down you 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 forget how cool it was especially to be there and be part be part of that atmosphere it's just a whole different animal when you're part of it and obviously i'm having fun watching this team night in and night out but it's just not the same but i will say that i do miss easy access to all my friends as well (laughs) yeah when you brought that up i was like wait a minute (laughs) yeah i had to i had to to second guess that for a second but then i was like you, you do get reunions you do get mini reunions here and there Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, there's nothing that like just getting that ticket, that free ticket to one of the best seats in the pavilion night in and night out right. for four years. So, like you don't get that. You don't get that ever again. And you were talking about how much it costs to get into that pavilion. No fun. No fun when you're a real adult. Yeah, no fun zone. Your only hope is Wells Fargo and you hope it's a like a pretty crappy team playing. Because then you might be able to get in for like 60 bucks. But yeah, you got you definitely have to cherish it. I mean, I'm sure I feel like that's one thing that all alumni can agree on. When you join this illustrious club with your two hundred thousand dollar piece of paper, it's that you definitely miss the basketball. You definitely miss it. For sure. So Chris, 
I have some other news for you. And that is? So as I predicted while I was in Chicago, or after Chicago, the book was waiting for me. The book Long Shots by Dan O'Neill was waiting for me. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, because I was sick, I have not been able to touch it. Oh. My excitement has not died down. It is still <laughs> going very strong. That's nice. How's the reading going on your end? Oh, it's going great. I was able to get a lot done pre and post surgery. I'm actually just two chapters away from finishing it. I don't think I've ever read a book this fast in my entire life. (laughs) 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 You you mean not even for ACS class? Because we we had to read some books pretty quickly, Chris. Did you not not read that? Oh, oh, right. Yes. Um, I mean, is is the statute of limitations uh, past this already? Like, is is four years removed from ACS class? Like, can I reveal my secrets? (laughs) Uh, I think you can because you got the you got the two hundred thousand dollar piece of paper. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, I didn't read every single page. So yeah, I'll be honest. Barknotes and Schmoop dot com were my good friends for some of those. Schmoop. Yep. Wow, that's a throwback. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. They didn't have every book, but when they had your book, <laughs> it was cheap. Yeah, you were getting some golden bullet point summaries from like Harvard grads. <laughs> Is this the point now where we say state of the nomination does not advocate freshmen using Sparknotes for ACS class? <laughs> if you haven't figured that out by now, you are we we really are a freshman. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. So yeah, about the book. <laughs> Did we talk about the book yet? I don't think we have. We have not. No. That's right. We have not. So I guess. Well, well, you, you say what you got to say. Oh well, I was gonna. You know, I wasn't sure. You know, I was gonna say don't spoil it for me. But then again, it's like, is it really spoiled when you know it happens? Right. So well, I guess what I was gonna say is not. I take back my question, but it's more of a. You know, someone who hasn't read it yet, what can I expect to find in long shots? Expect. Have you ever seen the movie Reservoir Dogs? Excellent movie. Yes, and you know how it gives like the background of each character before going into the, the main story? It's yeah. like that. So you expect the background on Jay, expect the background on Chef, Arch, Jenkins, and then it'll just kind of wrap it all together and put a nice little bow tie on it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a great book. I mean, and, like, and obviously like we've been around it for so long that like you kind of know most of the stories, but... Even, but Dan O'Neill somehow finds a way to sneak something in that you just don't know, and that just keeps you going. What is one surprising thing? I'm sure there are many surprising things, but what is one surprising thing that has stuck out to you? I guess it was Jay almost becoming the Rutgers coach. What? (laughs) Wait, what? Wait, Rutgers? Yeah, Rutgers. Swear to God. Yeah. What was this? What was it? This must have been like before Nova, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was the, uh, it was so. Rutgers had a job opening, and Jay was the new hot coach on the market because he won two American East Conference championships with Hofstra. And Rutgers came calling. They're like, Jay, we like you. And Jay's like, I like you guys too. So they were hammering out a deal. And I think it was two days before Rutgers was about to sign everything and cross the T's, dot the I's, Steve Lapis of the Villanova Wildcats was fired. Well, he didn't. He wasn't fired. He left. I forget where he went. I think it might have been UNLV. I don't know why I think that. I don't remember where. But he left. And Villanova had an opening. And Jay obviously had a connection with Villanova because his wife went there. And he also grew up a Villanova fan. So Villanova 
came calling to him literally the day before he was supposed to go into to Rutgers to sign everything and make the deal official. And the Jay never left Villanova's office and signed the deal right then and there. It's got a bunch of quotes from Vince DeCastro, the old AD, saying how they did that and made sure that Jay wasn't going to leave Pennsylvania and how he wasn't going to go back to New Jersey. And, and you know, Jay saying this was like a dream job for him, obviously. Uh, but yeah, get the book, read that part. It's like right in the beginning too. So it's pretty interesting. And you get some quotes from a few key players in that whole development. It's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. I can't imagine him being a Scarlet Knight. I, it's so yeah. weird. It's just so weird to think about Jay potentially just not being a Villanova coach. Like there was a moment yeah. in his life where he just wasn't a Wildcat coach. No, I know. I, I completely agree with you, especially Rutgers. Like I was thinking like maybe a bigger program, but like Rutgers really. And it, it makes you think, Maybe does Rutgers become what Villanova is now, or does Jay Wright kind of flame out? You don't like it's an interesting case study. I don't, but I don't. You don't know what happens. You would have no idea what happens, and it makes you wonder what would have happened to Villanova. Who do they hire? Do they hire like the next Coach Calipari, where you just get a bunch of one and done guys and have a bunch of NCAA violations on top of it, or do you get, <laughs> the, or just get a bunch of run of the mill coaches who get fired every five years because they can't establish a program? It's just a weird, weird thing, and it's funny how sports work like that. Yeah, one of the things we talked about off-air was how Villanova has had great continuity with the Ted's coaches. Mm-hmm. I think it was over the last, what, century? There was only eight? Five. Yeah. Five? Well, no, 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 yeah. There's well, the five main ones, and then you got yeah. like the three like pre-severance ones that were just kind of there. Cause you had yeah. yeah, once you had severance in there, we've only had – five other head coaches. It's crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. It is also crazy to think about what, you know, Rutgers could have became like a, a mid two thousands basketball and football powerhouse. That's just weird to think of. Oh yeah, that's right. Jeez. They were good at football, right? Right around when Villanova was getting good at basketball again. Yeah. Does Villanova get a national champion? Like who knows? Like there's, no. it's just one of those things that, Yeah, you just have no idea what happens. Yeah, just one of those weird turns of fate that just work out for the best. Yep, and that's why Rutgers continues to be Rutgers and Villanova continues to be Villanova. It's just the right things happen to the right programs, you know? Yeah, instead of, uh, you know, instead of getting Mike Tice throwing around chairs and berating (laughs) his players, you get Jay Wright preaching attitude over there. Right. It's two two opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely can't wait to read the book. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah I can't wait to discuss the book with you because I like to go over a few points with you in there that I found interesting. I think we should just have an episode where we, I you know we've joked about a book club episode. But I, think, <laughs> I honestly think we should just designate a day. Tell all of our readers, look, you have this amount of time to read long shots, and then we will extensively for an hour discuss the book (laughs) yeah maybe we can do that uh with the layover between uh the georgetown and the ncaa's (laughs) oh man you're you're really pressing me to free this book (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah. oh well not the ncaa's the biggest tournament i meant uh yeah so oh yeah true but yeah yeah either way you 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 got a weekend good luck (laughs) <laughs> this is like this is like homework. This is like what my ACS professor was trying to tell me. Oh no no no! I don't want to make it homework because then it's not fun. Yeah, I like reading books when you don't have to read them. 
they're much more enjoyable that way. Yeah, I definitely think this would be very enjoyable. Very enjoyable read. I mean, based on what you've been kind of telling me a little bit off air. Yeah. And what you've talked about on air. It's a good read. It's got to be good. Yep. Crack it open. Well, before we part ways, let's just run through and recap all the other sports that are going to hit the field, the court, or the diamond this weekend. First off, women's basketball, man, they had a great weekend. Back-to-back overtime wins. First, in double overtime against Xavier, then single overtime against Butler. Fun fact, it's just the second time in program history in which Villanova played back-to-back overtime games. Hmm. Wow. That's Where'd you find that? <laughs> Nova Athletics. Oh, I thought you came up with it. <laughs> oh, man, it. You know, I, I will dig. I will dig morning. through some archives for some facts, but if there are some that are just handed to me, I'm, I'm running with it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I I was about to say you'd be some historian for that one. Adriana Han went off against Xavier, 33 points, including seven threes. Ooh, continuing the uh, men's tradition right there with the the hot uh, shooting streak. Shoot up, sleep in the streets. Harry Pareto, Jay Wright. Yep, Harry's over. You also had two big games from Alex Lewin, who had back-to-back double-doubles this weekend. She had 18 points and 11 boards against Xavier, and then she followed it up with 13-10 and 10 against Butler. And to kind of round things off, you had Janet Tucker lead the way against the Bulldogs with 14 points, including three trays. So you got some big girl performances going on. I yes. See. Yes, and the turnaround has been is real, Chris. Chris, it's so real that I remember we were talking about this team being on the rocks early on in November, mm-hmm. but now they've rallied back. They went on that crazy win streak, and now they're actually tied for third place in the Big East with Marquette with an 11-5 record in conference play. Yeah, I mean, we made reference to it last episode, how remarkable of a turnaround this has been. And just to see in the standings that they're tied with Marquette, a team that, you know, is pretty, pretty good on their own. And was I think it was predicted to finish second in the Big East at preseason is, is pretty remarkable of what this team has done. And I know we talked about it and we said, like, you know, Xavier and Butler, you know, should be two easy wins. But, you know, these were grind them out type games. You go to overtime twice in the same weekend and you come out on top of both, you would think that maybe in the second game you'd be t- too tired, uh, especially coming off a double overtime game and you still have the legs to beat Butler. That is a great uh, great sign of uh, the mental fortitude this team has in a way and just a complete turnaround because I don't know if early in the season they would have been able to do that. And now they close up their season. Their season actually ends this weekend on Sunday. They play the Paul on Friday, which is number one in the Big East, and then they get Marquette on Sunday. So maybe they'll be able to jockey they'll be jockeying position with Marquette for that on that Sunday game. Maybe they get into the top three or maybe they finish fourth. But either way, it's completely different to what we expected from them in the beginning of the year. Definitely, definitely. You know, we, we knew that there would be some growing pains and having to deal with the loss of the Corey Twins from graduating, on top of all the other key seniors and players from last year. But at the same time, this this turnaround is just very impressive. I think they're moving way ahead of schedule. Harry Pareto's got to like what he's seeing from his girls. They do close out the season with two tough games. 
These are they were going to play against Nepal, which the women's team could probably beat the men's team in a seven-game series, and the Marquette Golden Eagles. These are two teams that they've lost to. The Blue Demons are currently sitting atop the Big East. Two games we'll certainly keep an eye out for on Friday and Saturday, on Sunday rather. What do you what are you thinking here? Two W's, one W, two losses. What do you see? I don't I don't I don't see them winning both. Maybe I think they might be able to sneak out that Marquette game. I I don't see them beating the Paul at the Paul. So yeah. I I think they'll lose both. Realistically, I think they'll lose both. I think they're gonna just kinda coast in that big East tournament, and just sit at the four seed, assuming no one below them gets hot. I think I think they're pretty much solidified there. And then just go into the Big East tournament and roll with that. But then if you win the four or five matchup, then you're probably getting the Paul again. So you might want to win this Marquette game so that you can avoid the Paul for at least until the Big East final if you get lucky enough to get there. So yeah, realistically I say 0-2, but I could see them sneaking out the W at Marquette. I think they're going to drop that DePaul one. I I just don't see them beating DePaul. Mm-hmm. But I think it, they will learn from it, and it will inspire them when they play Marquette. But I think it'll be a lot closer than the first time these two teams played. Mm-hmm. But I do think the Wildcats will drop that second game in a heartbreaking loss in a way to get them ready for the Big East tournament. All right. We'll certainly keep an eye out for the Lady Cats. Once again, they played Paul on Friday and Marquette on Sunday. We'll also be keeping an eye out for the men's and women's track team and the swimming teams as they're both headed to the Big East Championships this weekend. Although swimming already started, they will wrap up this weekend. Nova Women's Swimming is looking to defend their title. Meanwhile, the men's and women's track team, they're always a contender to come away with it. Contender, aren't they usually the favorite? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could also say they're the favorite, too. We're just trying to be modest, I guess. <laughs> so how does that I mean, – I'm not expecting you to have the answer with this. Maybe you do. How does that swimming thing work? Like you, you said, they started yesterday, but but now they're wrapping up this weekend. Like, what? Like, how's that? How's that go? Or you just got different events spread across different days, or what? Yeah, it's it's very similar to track in which there are events spread out over different days. But then also, you know, you have like the, you know, maybe the the final the finals another day, the semifinals this day, and then the quarterfinals the day before that. Oh, oh, I see. So they break it out. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, they really spread it out. There's, there's, they, they made them all go at one day. I'm sure there are some that are finished in, over the course of a day, but they, they do spread out their events. Okay, all right, makes sense. Men's lacrosse is looking to rebound after a 16-11 loss to Yale over the weekend, in which Christian Cuccinello led the Cats with four goals. Jake Fercaro added three. But for Yale, it was the deed of Jackson Morrill. He was a big-time performer with five goals and one assist. Nine different Bulldogs got to hit the back of the net. The Wildcats will look, hopefully, rebound on that against the Penn State Nittany Lions at home. Yeah, 2-0. Uh, 0-2 start for uh, men's lax. I think they started off pretty buns last year, too. And then they were able to rebound. So maybe this isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean... If the team stayed relatively the same from last year, I think they'll know how to rebound. But I don't know. You don't like starting off the year 0-2 in, in any sport, so especially for a team that was expected to be ranked for most of the year. Definitely agree with that. 
In other news, softball actually had a pretty successful weekend. They went 3-1 and one since we last spoke. Yeah, they got a variety of wins. I think they had one over East Michigan, and then I forget who the other ones were over. But, but they were all over the map. I, I don't understand their schedule. I don't know if they're in the tournament or anything, but... Yeah, they were in some some event in Florida. They were, they they got they got to go down there in a nice sunny state. Oh wait, that's right, they did. Man, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just kind of looking at my notes and I was like, wow, you know, we really hadn't podcasted in a while. I know it's only a week, but it feels like an eternity. It feels like forever now. Jeez, these weeks just. They, it feels like they go by quick, but they don't. <laughs> Yeah, there's some things that do feel fast, like the basketball season, and then there's some things that just don't feel fast. Yeah, it's like the shorter period of time you go, it's slower, but the longer period, it feels like it's quick. Nah, I, don't I don't get it. Baseball opened up the season by being swept in a three-game series against Norfolk State. They will head down to Oklahoma this weekend for the Sooner Classic. They'll play four games in total. Two against Oklahoma, one against Boston College, and then another against Northern Illinois. Uh, another team on the diamond that is playing all over the place, but at least they're in the Sooner Classics in Oklahoma. Correct. Right. That's interesting how they get invited there. I guess I guess they kind of do the basketball thing too, where they just get ran- invited to random places for games. I'm all for it. That's cool. Yeah, and I'm sure they're looking to hopefully recruit some some boys down there in the south. Oh, true. There's a lot of talent down there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the South loves its baseball. <laughs> and lastly, women's lacks. They lost to Cornell on Saturday, 18-6. to Then they lost another lopsided one to Navy yesterday, 17-5. It just hasn't been a great start for the women's lacrosse team. They'll get a long layover until having to play St. Joe's in March. We're not going to preview that game too much as it isn't until March 2nd. But you got to hope that they can figure something out from now until then. Yeah. I mean, the the way they've lost these past two games isn't very encouraging. I mean, two blowouts. I mean, one was to a ranked team, so I guess you can make that excusable. But Navy, I mean, Navy's all right. I mean, you shouldn't be losing 17-5 to them. I don't know. It, women's lacrosse had a rough year last year, so anything, anything will – any sort of improvement this year is just what you're looking for, kind of like the men's uh, – men's women's basketball team. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening and to subscribing to State of the Nova Nation, whether you do so on iTunes or on Podomatic. Please check us out at viewbenchmob.com for all your news and updates on all things Villanova sports. Also, please follow us on the Twitter sphere at viewbenchmob, or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at erepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanziel, at the Stansman on Twitter. Nova Nation, happy Thursday. Have a good weekend. If you're a senior, please go to the pavilion on Saturday at 3 p.m. You won't regret it, and you will only regret it if you're not there.